Drove 20 hours in the last two days. I'm thankful to be alive. Amen. But it's good to be here. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. I apologize for missing you folks during your missions conference. Uh, our home was blasted by, a, uh, by Hurricane Ian down there in Florida, and we uh, uh, have been busy since the 28th of September uh, just trying to do some repairs on the house and things like that. But I'm uh, appreciative of the opportunity uh, your pastor afforded us to come back and be with you. I've got my wife, Nellie, with me this time. Nellie, if you'll stand up and wave, amen. This is my sweetheart of 40 years, amen. And um, we, I'm thankful to have her traveling with me. Uh, this morning, if you open your Bible to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Second Corinthians chapter number 9, if we can have everyone stand as we read the uh, first nine verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Bible begins there in verse number 1, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you, to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready. Lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye should be ashamed as uh, in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to gather this morning in Your name and in this church house. We ask You, Lord, to speak to our hearts through the preaching of the Word of God and to strengthen our faith, to, Lord, increase our vision and to uh, increase our giving. Lord, we just ask you this very morning to accomplish your perfect will in each and every one of our hearts and our lives. Lord, this morning, conquer our self and bring us uh, into your perfect will for our lives. We love you today. 
We pray that if there's anyone here who's not yet saved, I pray that this morning would be the day that they uh, turn from their sin and receive you as their Lord and as their Savior. Father, accomplish your perfect will in every uh, life that is here today. Lord, whatever you need to do, we ask you to do that. And we will thank you and we will praise you for doing it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Before I go any further, uh, when you exit the church this morning, you'll uh, see in the back there, I've got a little table set up. And uh, my wife and I have some pearls there. We've got some really, really beautiful uh, sets of pearl necklaces and matching earrings. That's how we uh, get into China. We entered China as uh, English teachers originally, but then later we switched our visas to business visas and we started this little pearl business. And so uh, we sell pearls now when we're in America uh, for about 15% of what you would pay at a normal jewelry store. And so if you ever needed a set of pearls, today is the day, amen? <laughs> Ladies, don't be ashamed to look at our pearls because if I was selling shotguns, you'd have to wait for your husband all afternoon, amen? So we've got some pearls out on the table. If you ever needed a good set of pearls, we'll, we'll fix you up. I also have some books that uh, my associate pastor of several years over in China, a, a young man named Timothy Zebel, absolute genius of a young man, absolute absolute certified genius. He'd memorized the entire New Testament when he was just 19 years old. And I had the uh, privilege and pleasure of having him uh, serve with me for seven years in China. And uh, while he was there with my family and I, our church went through a battle with the doctrine of Calvinism. And uh, Calvinists believed that uh, because God is sovereign, He chooses who will go to heaven and He chooses who will go to hell. Now we understand that that doesn't jive with Scripture, amen? And so uh, our church went through a battle with that. We had a gentleman from California who, who, who could figure uh, came to China and, uh, and uh, started teaching Calvinism amongst our church people uh, on the down low. Nobody knew, but I found out eventually, and we uh, ran them out of church, and uh, we lost a few people from that. But it caused me to study uh, out this idea of Calvinism, and Timothy Zebel and I ended up writing two books about Calvinism. One of them is called, Is God the Author of Sin?, and the Calvinists believe that because God is sovereign, nothing happens outside of His perfect will. And well, then you ask, well, what about sin? Adam sinned. Was it God's will? And they say, oh, no, uh, Adam's sinning was not God's will. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. It just doesn't make sense. And so we, uh, the first book deals with the idea, is God the author of sin? There are over 100 quotes from John Calvin to Augustine to uh, many prominent Calvinists today, uh, over 100 that they would never want you to see. 
because what they said is so unscriptural, they'd like to have it hidden forever, but we dug it up. There's over a hundred incredible quotes in this book alone. The second book we wrote is called, Did Christ Die for Everyone? Calvinists don't believe that. They don't believe that Jesus died for everybody. And of course, you and I do because we believe the Bible, amen? And so the second book, again, has over 100 quotes from leading Calvinists that, that deals with the idea, uh, did Christ die for everyone? And then the third book we have is a, uh, it's a chapter-by-chapter chapter, um, walk through the book of Ecclesiastes. And this was not just written by Timothy, Zebel, and I, but it was, uh, it was illustrated by Sister Liling, the Chinese lady living over in Plano, and uh, she uh, did all the illustrations in here for us. It's really, a, I think, a really interesting, excellent walk through the book of Ecclesiastes. In China, we use this in, in our Sunday school classes. So I've got all three of these books out here. I've got, I've got a bunch of them. I've got a, a, a garage full down in Florida. And so uh, I had been selling them, wasn't really selling them too great. Uh, I hope that, that something I said would pique your interest. So here's what I'm doing now. In order to remain married to my wife and clean out by cleaning out my garage, amen, uh, we, we now are offering a set of these books, all three books. If you want them and don't have a penny, take a set of books off the back table. If you want to leave a love offering that we use toward our ministry, then leave a love offering. But I've got sets of these books out on the table. Please take a set. Listen, you know, Dr. Tom Malone said many years ago, he said, toot your own horn, lest it remain in the state of untootedness. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I got to tell you, listen, I am really, really proud of these books. They take, they take a subject that Calvinists purposely like to murky up and, and try to make it as, as confusing and confounding as they can. And I think it takes a confusing topic and puts the cookies on the bottom shelf so folks like me can read it and understand it. I, I believe these books will really uh, just, I think, really uh, give you a lot to think about when it comes to Calvinism. I think they're excellent, excellent study material. So please, take a set of books off the back table, and uh, I think they'll be a blessing to you. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to get through this as quick as we can, Amen. But your pastor told me that if I need to speak till 2 o'clock, it's okay. Amen? No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, he got a shotgun on me. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, we understand uh, from Scripture, really from 1 Corinthians, that the Corinthian church was not a very spiritual bunch. They were carnal, they were proud, they were very tolerant of sin in the church. There were divisions in their church, and many in the church had turned on the Apostle Paul, the very man who had led them to Christ. So the Corinthian church, with the exception perhaps of the Laodicean church, 
was probably the worst church in the Bible. And we understand, too, that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians to correct their unbiblical thinking and their unspiritual behavior. And so 1 Corinthians was a letter of rebuke, and 2 Corinthians here is more a letter of teaching. We see that uh, in the difference in the way that Paul spoke to them in each of the books that he wrote to them. In 1 Corinthians, he called them spiritual babies, unable to understand the meat of the word, and said that they were too divided, and that he was glad that he'd only baptized a few of them. Then here in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapters 8 and 9, Paul very humbly makes excuses for them, saying that they'd promised to give a year earlier, but hadn't, and that he didn't want them or him to be ashamed that they had not given uh, what they'd pr promised and that Paul had been bragging on them and, and yet they hadn't done what Paul was telling others that they were going to do. And so this morning, I want you to think about this. I understand and I know that you folks finished your missions conference, your faith promise missions conference back in early October. I understand that. But you know, I, I, I think there's, there's, there's no bad time to talk about missions giving. Amen. There's really no bad, because when you understand it, you know it's the heartbeat of God. And so there's no bad time to talk about missions giving. And maybe today, as I preach, maybe the Spirit of God will put His finger on your heart and maybe even on your wallet or pocketbook, amen? And you may decide, hey, you know what? I gave, I made, a, I made a faith promise pledge back in October, but God being my helper, I'm going to give more. I'm going to do more because the hour is late. Now perhaps the reason that this church here in Corinth had not carried through on their promise to give was that there were some, maybe there were some who still had a problem with Paul. Some may have still been angry with the Apostle Paul. Or maybe they just gotten busy. I think uh, more, probably more, uh, more truthfully would be the fact that they made a promise and then they just got busy. Anybody here busy? Well, let me say, anybody here not busy? I want to see your hand. And I want to know your secret, amen? You know, everybody gets busy. We all get busy. And oftentimes, we make promises that we, we don't carry through on, that we don't go forward on. And oftentimes, this happens even in our missions giving. But they probably had gotten busy. They, they put their giving on the back burner. And maybe they just forgotten about it. You know, it's a very easy thing to do to get busy and fall behind in our giving. Giving, too, is not an easy thing to do. Listen, especially in this day and age in which we live, 
Gasoline is over. You know, I got gas. I thought I hit the jackpot. I got gas yesterday for three oh nine. Man, I felt like I'd won the lottery. Amen. I almost cried. Three oh nine. But you know, the, the the day and age that we find ourselves, things are getting more and more expensive. A buddy of mine in Pensacola, Florida, told me that he went to the supermarket and found a jar of Hellman's mayonnaise for only eleven dollars. Brother, I'll tell you, I ain't going to eat, I, 11 bucks, I just won't eat mayonnaise, amen? amen? But you know, even in this day and age that we live, listen, things have gotten crazy expensive. I mean, insanely expensive. I don't know how our kids are going to be able to buy a home. But all, oftentimes, because of the expense of living, we can become like the Corinthians and we just get busy. We just get caught up. We just, we just find ourselves financially tight and we decide to buy the mayonnaise instead of give to the missionaries. And so these Corinthians too, like us today, they probably had a million other things that they could have used their finances for besides supporting the work of God. But you know, when you give, in order to give, you have to understand that missions is God's work. You know, if, if you don't understand that missions is God's work, it's not something your pastor dreamed up or missionaries dreamed up or moochinaries even dreamed up. This is the work of God. Missions is the work of God. And if you don't understand that, you'll never be able to give to missions. And then in order to give, you need to understand that you are to play a part in God's work. God wants you involved. He doesn't want you to just be a wallflower or sitting on the sidelines warming up a bench. God wants you to be involved. You have a part to play. And listen, even if it's just a small part, it's still a part for you to play. You know, I love that old song we sing, little is much when God is in it. Amen? And that's exactly right, especially when we talk about missions. And then if you're going to give, you need to understand that God is God and God can meet your needs. You know, I don't care that they're... They have now hired 87,000 more IRS agents. I don't care if mayonnaise is 11 bucks a bottle. I don't care if gasoline in California is over $7 a gallon. I don't care because God is still God and He's still on the throne. And if you're going to give, you need to understand that our rewards for our giving are eternal. That God keeps the scorecard. Amen? If you're going to give, you need to understand that ultimately, ultimately, for all eternity, all that really matters is what we do for Christ. That's all that matters. And then if you're going to give, you need to understand that the eternal souls of men are hanging in the balance. You know, oftentimes when we're in China, 
and you're chased by the police or the police are raiding your home or they've raided your church or they're raiding the, the homes of your church people, your congregation, and, and, and you, you, get, you get scared or you get angry or you are tempted to throw in the towel. You know what I always think? I always think, I'm not going to give up because what if my mom was in China? What if your mom was in China or Korea or some other country where they didn't have the gospel the way we do? You know, the work of missions, it's, a, it's an eternal work and the, the souls, the eternal souls of men hang in the balance. That means what we do, how we give, determines whether they'll be saved or not. Giving is a very important part of our Christian service. But it's easy to get busy. It's easy to neglect it. We understand the importance of reading the Word of God, but how many believers actually are faithful in their Bible reading? My pastor used to say that a church's giving was their spiritual thermometer. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And so here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul continues his thoughts from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And he encourages this church to fulfill their promise to give to the needs of the believers suffering back in Jerusalem. And in verse 1 and 2, Paul tells them that he knows that he doesn't really have to write to them about this. He knows his writing to them is unnecessary. He knows that they made a promise, and he knew that they'd eventually do it. It's very different from the way that he spoke to them in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says that he'd been bragging about them, bragging about their zeal, bragging about their desire to help the brethren by giving. He had encouraged their, their promise. Paul used to encourage and motivate many other churches. Yet Paul handles this church here very, very diplomatically and very humbly, very gently. Paul doesn't jump up and down on them screaming and yelling that they made a promise and they hadn't fulfilled it. He says, look, I used your testimony to encourage many, many others to give. Paul doesn't rebuke them, he encourages them. And you know, in life, encouragement should be used much more than rebuke. I, I am ashamed to say that in the early years of my ministry, I just was more of a rebuker than an encourager. I was encouraged to be a rebuker by many, amen? We've been there. But rebuke is reserved for those who know that they should do right but have decided to do wrong. They even understand the consequences of their bad decisions, but they still continue to do wrong. So rebuke is reserved for those believers, I should say, that are strong enough to receive it. And encouragement is meant for everyone especially the younger believers. 
And then in verse 3, Paul tells them that he's sending someone to them. He's sending Titus to them to help them prepare the gift for the saints in Jerusalem. And uh, they needed a leader to help them to carry through on their promise. And Titus was just the man for that job. And then in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says to them uh, here that if the Macedonian Christians had gone to Corinth and discovered that they weren't ready to give, that both he and they would have been quite embarrassed. Paul, because he'd been bragging about their giving, and they, because they'd made a promise that they just didn't fulfill. And then in verse 5, Paul explains to them that this is why he sent others to help them prepare. He wanted their gifts to be given, and he wanted them to be given willingly. And so now I draw my message this morning from verses 6 to 9. I want you to understand the importance of Christian giving and how it should be done. In verse 6, Paul tells them that there is a law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We give and we receive. The reciprocation of our giving doesn't always come to us on earth. We understand that. But at the same time, God doesn't fail those who are faithful in their giving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 12 to 15, the Bible says this, Now if any man build upon this foundation, the foundation of salvation, the foundation of Christ, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I believe that the Bible clearly tells us that God provides for His own here below on earth. But God also rewards us for all eternity in heaven. And our giving is a chance for us to learn to trust God. It is a chance for us to learn how God works. To learn that God does take care of His own. But especially those who are faithful in their giving. Brethren, that's the God that we serve. We serve a God who rewards us for our giving both here below and for all eternity over in glory. (laughs) That's what Paul said in Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need 
according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. King David said it this way in Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaking or his seed begging bread. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. When we give, God takes care of us. When we have a desire to give, God gives us something to give. God never lets us down. But God rewards us for our giving both here and over in glory. And then secondly, verse 7. I want you to see that giving is for every man. Giving is for every man. Paul said, every man as he purposes in his own heart. That means that each of us are able to decide how much we want to give to missions. The decision is not to be a nonchalant decision. It's not to be made by copying someone else. It's not to be made because you were shamed into it. And it's certainly not to be made based on what your budget looks like. Man, if we gave according to our budget, we'd all have nothing. Amen? Listen, we ought to give. Every man decides what to give as he purposes in his own heart. The decision to give must be come to prayerfully. Lord, what do you want me to give? The decision to give must be arrived at by prayer and careful consideration. You have to consider what you want to give. How important is this work to you? If it's important to you, you'll give. If it's not, you will not. Missions giving is so that souls can be saved. That's what it's all about. Missions giving is so that souls can be saved. So that missionaries can go to the regions beyond to preach the gospel to those who still sit in darkness. And brethren, listen to me. Our work is cut out for us. We've still got so much to do. Is that important to you? Is that something you think is worthy of sacrifice? How important to you is missions giving? Because you will give in direct correlation to how important you think giving is. The American people spend over $72 billion a year on their pets. That tells me that our pets are important to us. What you spend your money on is up to you. It's your money, but what you spend your money on tells a lot about you. It tells what you love. It tells what's important to you. It tells what you want to accomplish. 
So you have to purpose in your own heart what you want to give. You have to decide what you want to give and you have to decide that based on what you think is important. You have to decide whether you want to be used of God to be a co-laborer with God to bring the lost to Christ and to be rewarded by God. You must also decide how sparingly you want to give as he that sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Every man is to give willingly, not grudgingly, not because you're shamed into it or because someone is strong-arming you into it, but every man is to decide how important the work of missions is to them and then give accordingly. Remember, too, that God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver is a delight to, to Almighty God. And then verse 8, God takes care of givers and God will take care of you. God, listen to me, brethren, God will take care of you. God blesses those who give. It's not just a heavenly reward that we will receive one day, but it's a very real practical blessing here on earth. It's a cycle. You take care of the work of God, and God takes care of you. God takes care of His own, and especially those who give toward His work. And then verse 9 tells us that our rewards are eternal. The reward of those who faithfully support the work of God, and especially missions, will remain forever in heaven. You know, you may not be rich here below, but brethren, through, through our giving, we can be filthy, crazy rich yeah. over in heaven. Amen? Yeah, right. The Bible has much to say about giving. The Bible says if you simply give a drink of water in Jesus' name, you will never le- lose your reward. Yeah. That's Mark 9, 41. Yeah, we ought to give without thought of recompense. <clears throat> like the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. In Acts 20, verse 35, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hebrews 13, 16, the sacrifices of our giving are pleasing to God. Proverbs eleven twenty four: the one who gives grows richer, and the one who withholds what he should give will suffer want. Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. 1 John 3, 17, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Brethren, when you and I look around this world and we see people living in spiritual darkness, how can we then shut up our bowels of compassion on them? How can we not give? How can we not pray? How can we not volunteer to go? 
Missions is the heartbeat of God. Jesus was the first and greatest missionary who left heaven's glory to come to this earth to redeem sinful man. Missions giving then is important to God. It holds a special place in His heart. And those who support missions are especially blessed by God. You know, we must think in terms of investment. Missions giving is an opportunity for us to invest in the work of God that pays dividends both on earth and in heaven. And then we need to think in terms of military. Missions giving is like a military supply chain. To send the troops out to fight without proper supplies would be a a terrible loss. The troops waging war and doing battle must be supplied. I remember when I was stationed in the Philippines, I was there, my wife and I were both in the Philippines from uh, 1984 through 1987. We spent just over three years serving in the U.S. Air Force there in the Philippines. And I, I remember though we were in the Philippines and though things weren't exactly like they were back home in America, I remember being thankful for our supply guys. Because they got all the supplies, they shipped them from America, got them to the Philippines, got them on various places on base where we needed the supplies so that we could do uh, the mission, that we could accomplish the mission that we had volunteered and were called to. And I used to think, man, without those supply guys, we, we'd, be, we'd, be, we'd be dead, we, we'd have nothing, we, we'd be sure to fail. That's the way it is with missions. If we don't give, then we can't send forth missionaries. And if we send forth missionaries and don't continue to give, they can't stay and do the work that they're called to do. Missions is the heartbeat of God. It's important to Him. We must simply decide if it's important to us. And if so, then how important is it? To us. Folks, we live in a world. We, we live in an America that is as spiritually dark as we'd ever as we've ever seen. I, I never dreamed that our country could get this whacked out. And it seems like in America, people become hard to the gospel. They're taught in our grammar schools and high schools and colleges that there is no God. uh, Our education system is doing a better job turning people from God than the communist Chinese education system. Never dreamed we'd see this happening in our nation. But I've got good news for you just outside of our nation people are hungry for the things of God people are wanting to know God hungry for the things of God we've given Bibles to Chinese people and seen them clutch a Bible to their chest and weep like babies because we gave them a Bible 
Missions is important to God. We need to determine how important it is to us. Father, we love you today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing throughout the world. So many countries around the world, Lord, you're working so powerfully, bringing great revival. Souls are being saved. Father, I ask you, please, this morning, speak to every heart. Speak to the heart of every believer here today. And Lord, help us. Though, though they, they may have made a faith promise commitment, Lord, help them today to be willing, not just willing to give more, not just willing to pray more, but Lord, make each and every one of us willing to go. Father, missions is important to you. Help it, Lord God Almighty, to be important to us. Speak to every heart today. Lord, whatever the need, maybe some have made pledges they like the Corinthian church, have not followed through on. Maybe there's some who've made pledges, but this morning they would say, Lord, I'm going to give more by your grace and with your help. I'm going to give more because this work is important to you and it's important to me. Maybe there's someone here today who's not saved. Father, accomplish your will today. Whatever the need, we ask your blessing and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I have everyone stand, please? Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Brother Gene, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved and I made a pledge for faith promise missions. But Brother Gene, God has spoken to my heart this morning, maybe about giving more, maybe about praying more, maybe about volunteering to go yourself as a missionary. Whatever the need, Brother Gene, God spoke to my heart this morning. Please pray for me. Is there anyone here like that? If you just raise your hand, God bless you. God bless you and you and you. God bless you. God bless you. Many. Many hands. God bless you. You may, you may take them down. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Brother Gene, I'm not saved. I'm not sure that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. But I want to know that. I'm interested to know that. Brother Gene, please pray for me. Please pray for me. Is there anyone here like that? If you just raise your hand, I just want to pray for you. Anyone, anyone at all, Brother Gene, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Father, you know the hearts of your people today. Lord, you know our needs. You know, Lord, what you want to do with us. And Lord, you know what we are willing to let you do through, through us. Father, this morning, make those two things the same. Speak to every heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I have everyone look at me? There were many today raised their hand. Brother Gene, God spoke to my heart. As our, sister, as our brother continues to play, 
If God spoke to your heart, you raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to do this for me. Would you just step out? Just step out of your seat. Let's find a place down here at the altar of God and let's do business today with the Lord. If God spoke to your heart, you need to come. Come on, there were many. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Amen. God bless you. Come on. Oh, listen. Folks, look around. We're not long for this world. The day's going to come when we're going to be home in glory, standing before God, and we're going to wish we could have gone back and give more and pray more and go more. God spoke to your heart. There were many. You need to come. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't say, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow. Why not do it right now? Make a decision for God, whatever that is. Let's sing one verse. That Brother, can we do one verse of that song? And then we'll close the invitation. This verse is for you. You need to come. Come on. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. I am waiting, yielded and still. say amen man that that kind of message kind of gets right down to the nasty now and now doesn't it yeah it gets right down where we live uh, but you know what we need that amen I appreciate the message this morning I trust that you'll allow the Lord to speak to your heart about it and that you'll be obedient to what God have you to do amen please don't forget now uh, pictorial directory, sign up, please. There, we start next Sunday, you, so please take a minute. If there's somebody up there looking at it, just give them a minute and uh, sign up for that. It's important that we 
uh, get this together. We want everybody to be a part of that directory for the church. Uh, so please sign up. Also tomorrow night, uh, prayer meeting, or prayer meeting, Bible study, men and ladies, 630. So be here for that. Uh, and then work day next Saturday uh, after soul winning, 10, uh, about 1030, 930 soul winning, 1030 uh, following for the work day. So please, please do not forget any of those things. Stop by the uh, table. Uh, Brother Gene, if you and Miss Harmon, if y'all go back. And uh, blue light special sounds like to me. Some of y'all know what that is. Uh, but I'm telling you, those books on Calvinism, it'd be a good read for you. Uh, it's important. I'm telling Calvinism is making another run. And uh, so we need to be careful. And so stop by there. Pick one of those up. And if you can't uh, pay for it, pick one up. I'll pay for it for you. Uh, but it's that important that you read that. Uh, so please stop by. Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to ask Brother... Uh, Harmon, if he'll kind of work some of his testimony into the message this afternoon, uh, I think it'll be a blessing to you to, to know uh, how God's used him. So be back this afternoon, 2 o'clock, choir practice 1, all right? So please, but, but if you forget all that, you remember one thing. There's victory in Jesus, amen. Oh, victory, Jesus, my Savior. All of God's children say, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>